0: Hello everyone and welcome to this latest edition of the Freshfields podcast. My name is John Bowd and I'm head of content for Freshfields based in London. And usually our podcasts are about the legal and commercial issues that are facing our clients. But today we're going to focus on something that's slightly different, which is the topic of the big return to work. This is part of a new series that we're calling Work Life 2.0. And I'm delighted to be joined today by four of my colleagues from across the world, all of whom are at different stages of emerging from various lockdown restrictions. So firstly, we have uh, Samantha David, who's an HR manager in Brussels. We're also joined by Augusta Cao, who manages our office in Shanghai. And we have Eric Johnson, an associate who works in our Hanoi office. And finally, Gabi Murbishon, who is based in Frankfurt. So Samantha, I thought I might come to you first as somebody who has recently gone back into the office and obviously um, Brussels and Belgium has been one of the countries that's been worst hit by COVID-19. So how have you found the past couple of months with the working from home and how has it been for you personally going back into to, to work?
1: Thanks, John. I found working from home quite challenging, as I'm sure many people did. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old at home, so that in itself was an extremely complicated process to get used to having them at home and and attempting to to do my work. In addition, because of the nature of my role as HR manager, there there was a heck of a lot of work sort of linked to the the COVID-19 situation, of course. So it was very difficult, but it was It was difficult for me. Um, No one sort of made it difficult for me. And, you know, my teams and and the various partners and people I work with were were very understanding. So that that was all fine. But yes, on on a sort of personal stress level, it was quite trying. Not many people in Brussels are back. I think we're at about somewhere between 10 and 15%. And I think most people are not returning either because they have to look after their young children or because they don't really want to use public transport again yet. As you said, Belgium has been very badly affected, but I think morale is getting better. We're being allowed to see um, friends and family in small groups now, so that's helping with morale a lot. It was a challenging sort of four to six weeks, but Everything's quite fine now, and I'm very excited to work on um, in the future on a on an excellent remote working policy that will be very different to what it was previously.
0: Augusta, I mean, the, the, you you obviously in Shanghai are a little bit further along. So how how does it look from where you are, and what sort of things have you had to deal with?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, in you know when we you know uh, work from home or even split teams working in the Shanghai office during the uh, COVID nineteen outbreak, first I think all staffs and the partners we are uh, always in uh, one WeChat group uh, because we can use in this WeChat group we communicate and share the news or updates uh, with each other every day and every moment. Uh, and also in this WeChat group, when we are not in the office, we also like help each other and share the like the uh, IT technologies. Because while we are working at home, and the people will maybe got like the uh, difficulties with uh, the computers. Now uh, all we said, uh, uh it's all back because we are now in the office now. So. Uh, everybody in the office is uh, very, you know, to enjoy the daily work because uh, Shanghai office, I saw, has quickly uh, returned to the, like the normal uh, stage of work as before the outbreak. We, because our people is quite busy, lawyers with several business trips across the whole countries now. And uh, uh, we have already had a few meetings with clients in our office. Because if the people has the greenhouse code, they are allowed in to coming into our office. We feel like we are getting back to normal work.
0: Eric, I'm interested to get a sense from you as to what life has been like in Hanoi over the past few weeks. And and, and again, where the city sits now in terms of um, kind of returning to sort of more normal working patterns.
3: The the. Government here in Vietnam uh, reacted quickly and, and um, very aggressively uh, from the beginning. So we had um, a number of weeks where the city was, um, you know, effectively locked down, like like many other countries have. Uh, you needed an excuse to go out, like buying groceries or something like that. There were a lot of people in quarantine, so we were working on a couple deals uh, where people had come back to Vietnam a bit too late. That were you know key people on the deal that got put in a. Military quarantine camp for two weeks uh, upon arrival back to Vietnam, <laughs> so that that was interesting to manage around, and it was a pretty tense environment for for a few weeks. Um, while there were some close calls, there was an outbreak at the, the largest hospital in Hanoi. Um, you know, at one point, um, I think even pharmacies were instructed to report uh, to the government anyone coming in buying cold medicine. So it, it was a it was a lockdown, um, and it was uh, I, I'd second what what. My colleagues have said about the difficulties in doing that, but, but everybody managed. I'd also second what, what Augustus said about, you know, what happened after the lockdown was lifted. I mean, in, in, in the situation of Vietnam, they, they really started allowing offices to open and businesses to open after there hadn't been any reported cases for, for a pretty significant amount of time. So there wasn't a, a lot of there was certainly some nervousness on my part and on others of, you know, getting into a taxi again and, and being, out, be, being out in the city again. But as Augusta said, I think everyone snapped back fairly quickly. We had a few weeks of working in shifts, which I found to be potentially more difficult than working from home because you got to come into the office, have your big screen, the printer, etc. And then you had to go back, uh, in my case, to my dining table and laptop um, for another week, but we're, we're all back now. And, and as Augusta said, I mean, it, it feels pretty normal. The the two caveats w- without any international travel, it, it, that's the biggest difference right now from my perspective. And that's that's twofold. Number one, a lot of our clients uh, in Vietnam are from outside Vietnam. So Augusta mentioned that you're having client meetings in the office. I don't think we've had many of those because people still can't fly in at the moment. So, so that's, that's kind of a difference. And, and you know, it, it's, it's too bad that you can't be seeing people face to face. But, you know, we, we also work uh, remotely with all those clients uh, regularly as well. And then just personally, you know, the, the situation here is good, uh, for which I'm, I'm thankful. Um, but it, it is a bit strange knowing that if you were to leave uh, the country, it's unclear when you would be able to come back
0: Gabby, thinking about your experience in in Frankfurt, I think I'm right in saying that you're even fresher back into the office than even Samantha. What's the mood like? What sort of conversations are you having with colleagues? Are people excited to be back and see each other? Are they a bit nervous?
4: In the beginning of the disease, I had to stay at home for a couple of weeks um, after an operation when the coronavirus disease began to be ominous in Germany in the middle of March so i had to follow the processes in the office online i was very sorry not to be able to help my and the office management team to organize all the necessary measures thanks to our it and teams the members of my team were able to see and to speak to each other on a regular basis not to forget half of the team had to be here in the office every day to maintain emergency operation So it was a matter of course for me to get to the office back after my recovery. Here in Frankfurt we started to reopen the office on uh, the 4th of May. We had to adapt reception and conference area to the government's requirements, like passenger control systems has to be organized, it looked like uh, the airport now we had to reduce the seating capacity instead of 150 people only a maximum of 19 people can only be on a conference floor at a time. It was very interesting to watch our guests who come back to the office after a long time. They are telling to me oh, it's, it looks like in the hospital here. Some are very careful and ask about the rules again and again. Some pretend that everything is normal and that there were no hints at all. Some people have to be told how to wear the mask properly, but everyone uh, gives the impression that they are grateful.
0: Samantha, how do you see the long-term impact of, of COVID on the way people work?
1: I think that our ways of working will inevitably change because this confinement period that that we're still technically in, at least in Belgium right now, has just proven to what extent everyone is perfectly capable of working from home. Role permitting, of course. I fully understand, for example, a receptionist or, or something like or someone like that, you know, would not be able to um, work at, in their normal capacity uh, remotely. But sort of general business services um, and, and lawyers at all levels, it's clear that it works. You need your laptop and you need... A phone, and that's essentially it. Partners, in particular, uh, in Brussels, really feel that working remotely works. I think there were, you know, when initially, let's say six months ago, we were discussing what kind of remote working policy we'd want to have here. We were talking about maybe a day a week, and that would have been quite. Revolution for Belgium. And now I've, I've spoken to several partners who really see the benefit. They, they aren't wasting time commuting. They have, you know, because they tend to work more than normal business hours, I would say, they all tend to have very decent working from home setups, of course. So, you know, there are hardly any negative points to working from home for many people. I think the one thing that we're all missing is, of course, the physical contact, with colleagues but we can see that it it works we can as a business continue to function remotely I think it's inevitable we're going to have to rethink our policies I'm just not sure when that moment will come because I think we're going to be in this Covid homeworking situation for for quite a while so let's see
0: Eric is it any, any permanent changes in the way that you work as a result of this one of the interesting
3: things that I've been thinking about is how is this going to change, you know, the practice of law. A lot of, particularly in Asia, there's a lot of face-to-face meetings. Um, there's a lot of business travel. I do I do this fairly regularly. I'll jump on a plane, go down to Ho Chi Minh City, which is a two-hour flight for a meeting, and then come back the same day, or Hong Kong. Um, and I know people do that all over Asia. You know, I, I wonder if that's really going to continue because I think people have have now understood that you don't necessarily need to have every meeting face-to-face and you can save, as you mentioned, not only commuting time, but time through the airport, I think that there'll probably be a reduction um, for the foreseeable future in that type of travel. And um, frankly, that's probably not a bad thing, although, you know, it is frustrating not to be able to have face-to-face meetings when uh, it would be helpful, which oftentimes that, that is the most helpful way to move a transaction forward.
0: And Gabby, I guess there's there's more to this than just the impact that it's had on our working lives. I mean, has it changed the way that you engage with your friends and your family and I guess in ways that that might stick with you after
4: this? Um, I think it will take a long time but uh, everything will be normal. I think we will have another uh, normality than before the virus came. So, uh, you You can't um, visit events. Concerts. I love to go to concerts, for example. So you have to sing on the balcony instead. <laughs> so you have to find other ways to spend your free time. So it's not a problem, but it will be different.
0: What about you, Augusta?
4: These days, we saw
2: many, many, like, the shops, restaurants, and, the, uh, like, the gyms are open by now. But, however, I, I feel most of them are, are is not as busy as before because uh yeah because they only uh you know just accept for those people who has green health code cinemas uh, theaters and the temples the famous temples are still uh, are closed but uh, however, the road traffic, because i driving to the office every morning in the past and, uh, and the now, but comparing with the, like the situation, I feel every morning now the road traffic is really, really terrible because I think many, many people are, are still afraid of taking public transportation. So they choose to drive into the office of their company. So hard to imagine the road is very crowded. But uh, last week, uh, uh, we saw a new, like, uh, service launched in Shanghai City. Uh, that is, is interesting and helpful is that the, the service is about metro services that enable the metro passengers able to check the real train, you know, uh, how crowded in the real time by using the, uh, like, the mobile phone apps. The service uh, allows passengers to... Look up for information includes the current train capacity, location, and the temperatures. Passengers can use these datas to customize their trips uh, on the metro and helping them uh, to avoid uh, very crowded carriages if they have, still have concern.
3: August, you've referred to a, a green health code a couple of times. Could you explain uh, how that works and, and what that is?
2: the government uh, pro- you know, pro- produce these uh, apps is uh, called uh, health code. The health code is generated by the mobile phone app and in that uh, apps, we can track people's uh, past travel history. If they went to the high risk area, so the people uh, will show the health code is not green. Green is mean healthy and the red is mean dangerous. And also has some like the yellow uh, code is mean sensitively they went to the sensitive area in the past uh, 14 days. So each one uh, entering into like the uh, office building and to the public uh, areas or or hospitals, every residence in in Shanghai, we must, you know, uh, obtain this code and to show the code to the uh, like the safeguard if we want to enter in the building.
3: Thanks. That's really
0: interesting. How do we all feel about contact tracing and that sort of technology? Because, it, you know, j- just listening to you all, there's clearly lots of innovation in the way that our offices are set up. There's lots of changes to the way that we're behaving. There's also lots of innovation that is helping to bring us out of these lockdown restrictions. But they obviously have a, an impact on us as individuals.
3: I think in, in Vietnam, at least, um, you know, the capacity to do that, maybe not not with an app, but just the capacity generally is, is already in place. So that's just something that everyone lives with here. I think, you know, I'm from the U.S. originally. I think that uh, a system like that in the U.S. is going to be much harder to swallow for people, given the the privacy concerns. But, but obviously there's there's major problems in the U.S. and then there has to be some sort of solution. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how how that plays out uh, in terms of the balance between public health concerns and privacy in a place like the U.S. and the U.K. versus countries in Asia.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Eric. I think in Belgium, for example, it would be very tough to, to implement that kind of technology. And we can see already that private citizens are, are becoming very, very... Restless, and I'm reading about several hundreds of second homeowners in Belgium who are not currently allowed to travel, sort of to the coast or to the the Ardennes, the countryside, to their second residences within Belgium, and that is causing a lot of frustration. And they're coming together, and they're filing a class action against the Belgian government for restrict restricting their personal liberties. So it's starting to heat up and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how, how these situations are dealt with.
0: So this feels like a really good point to bring the conversation to a close. So I'd like to say thank you to all of you for joining the podcast today. I certainly found it fascinating to get a window into how your working lives have been changed by COVID-19 and I hope our listeners have enjoyed the conversation too. Please visit our website freshfields.com for more editions of our Working Life 2.0 series over the weeks and months to come. Thank you.